This is Living Lean, the show that teaches you how to apply the science of nutrition and training to sustainably create your leanest, strongest body and build the most confident version of yourself. I'm your host, Jeremiah Bear. Let's get into the show. Yo, welcome back to the show. Today, we are diving into the ultimate guide to flexible dieting. So if you've never been able to keep the body you want for more than a few months, aka you always regain most of the weight, you're really not alone. In fact, an insane 95% of people who lose weight will regain it. Now, here's the problem. Creating sustainable results requires you first learning nutrition methods that you can actually sustain. And really, most of us can't and don't want to spend the rest of our lives doing things like not eating carbs, saying no to date night with our significant others, um, only eating paleo foods. Now, the list goes on here, but you get the idea. If you find yourself yo-yoing between being lean and quote-unquote on a diet and enjoying foods but disliking what you see in the mirror, the reality is you need to find a diet that fits your lifestyle. Because that's the only way to get sustainable results. And this is exactly why flexible dieting is such a powerful nutrition philosophy we use with many of our online clients. Because it allows endless room for customization and working any foods you desire into your nutrition plan without actually hurting your results. Now, this makes all the difference for your adherence and consistency, which in turn creates life-changing results that again are truly sustainable. So first and foremost, let's dive into really how we go about building a lifestyle with flexible dieting. So you want a nutrition strategy that in a nutshell keeps your training performance in the gym high, keeps your physique looking lean and athletic, and is actually sustainable so that you can stay this way long term. Now, we've worked with hundreds of clients just like you, and in our opinion as coaches, there are really three pillars that your nutrition strategy must be built upon. Pillar number one. Your nutrition needs to provide adequate, excuse me, macro and micronutrients to optimally fuel your training, the raw materials needed for optimal hormone production and muscle growth, and everything you need to stay healthy long term. And this is the piece of nutrition overlooked by the if it fits your macros crowd. So your nutrition is much more than just hate macros. The composition of said macros determines your performance, your recovery, your health, and much more. Pillar number two. Your nutrition needs to allow some flexibility so you can live your life without feeling like a social outcast. You should be able to enjoy some drinks, date nights, etc., and know how to make these work with your nutrition rather than ruining your results. Now, this is an incredibly common struggle we coach new online, online clients through. See, we attract many hard-charging individuals who feel like they're quote-unquote letting themselves down if they're not eating clean 24-7. But really, I'd personally argue that some structured flexibility like we teach our clients is probably key to keeping your physique lean and maintaining your health long term as it makes your nutrition so damn sustainable. And finally, pillar number three, your nutrition must have a clear structure. So another very common mistake the client we the clients we tend to attract are making is this. They're already quote unquote eating in a clean or health conscious manner, but really have no clear macro parameters aligned, aligned with their specific goals, no target rate of loss to make adjustments around, no customized intake of carbs to proteins to fats to tweak if performance and recovery are ideal. You get the idea. 
Basically, specific results require a specific plan. So clear diet parameters need to be in place to give you structure and create a simple long-term plan for you to follow even after we're done working together. All right, so hopefully all that's clear. Now, if you're ready to learn how to achieve the best of both worlds, aka the physique you've always wanted, and a flexible nutritional lifestyle you can fit to any situation, let's go ahead and dive into how to actually go about creating this flexible dieting structure that we teach our clients. So your diet structure is the method you'll use to measure and control your calorie intake. Now, 95% of the clients we work with online track macros for two reasons. One, the individuals we work with want above average results. The more specific the results you desire are, the more specific we need to be able to get with your nutrition. Two, tracking macros allows a much larger degree of flexibility than a meal plan or a portion-based diet, more opportunities for education, and the quickest result for most. So tracking macros used to really be branded as overly restrictive, but honestly, I'd argue that it's quite the opposite for most of our clients. And a conversation I've had many times with many clients, tracking macros gives you tons of freedom. Freedom from the pain of never feeling confident in your body. If you're not following a structured nutrition strategy, creating the lean, strong body you want will straight up be super hard. Freedom from guilt associated with eating certain foods. So through tracking macros, we can teach you how to make foods you used to consider quote unquote bad work with your diet. And once you realize you can stay lean and drink wine, for example, Guilt is replaced with happiness and more flexibility in social situations. And finally, freedom from worrying that you overate or underate. So tracking your macros allows you to quote unquote make up for overdoing it with no harm done to your progress. And we'll talk about specific methods for this later. But really, it's all about perspective. You can look at tracking as something that really impinges on your freedom or as a mere five to 10 minutes out of your day, you'll spend tracking macros to create exponentially more freedom and confidence in the rest of your life. So first and foremost, we have to dive into how to set your macros for a flexible diet. Because really, regardless if you want to get leaner, maintain your current body composition, or build muscle while staying relatively lean, you have to have your macros set up appropriately to achieve the results you want. So I wouldn't skip this step. So first and foremost, when we're determining macros, you need to know your maintenance calories. So when it comes to determining what your maintenance calories are, we have a couple different options. First, we can simply multiply your body weight by 13 to 17. And this very much depends on, okay, if I'm a sedentary office worker, say I get like 4,000, 5,000 steps per day, um, maybe I'll take the lower end of that. So I'll multiply my body weight times 13. Let's say on the flip side, you're an extremely active construction worker, um, just out here ripping cigs and hammer and nails all day, then you are a lot more likely to be closer to this 17 body weight times 17. Um, we could also, and really this is the least accurate method. We could also start for uh, calculating your maintenance, but it is also the quickest. Our clients typically to estimate someone's maintenance, what we'll have you do is actually track your, everything you eat in my fitness pal for at least three days and we'll use that to determine your estimated maintenance or finally you can simply use a maintenance calories calculator online now if you check out the show notes of this podcast we also wrote 
a blog on this exact topic. So basically a deep dive into flexible dieting. There you'll also find the link to a calculator that you can use to estimate your maintenance. But regardless of which method you used, you will currently or within three days, if you use the MyFitnessPal method, um, have a number that is roughly your maintenance calorie intake. So from there, you need to establish your starting calorie goal, depending on your, or if you're doing this for a client, their body composition goal. So if you're the rare person who wants to stay exactly the same, I would just chill here at your estimated maintenance. For fat loss, it's smart to multiply your maintenance intake times 0.85, or if you're building muscle, multiply your maintenance intake times 1.1 to 1.15 to build muscle while staying relatively lean. Now, from here, we need to determine your macros. So, as a listener of this podcast, you likely already know what the macros are. Basically, we have protein, which is one gram of protein is approximately four calories. Carbohydrates, one gram of carbs is approximately four calories. And fats, um, one gram of fat contains approximately nine calories. So, of course, when we're talking about tracking your macros, this is what we're talking about. So, first and foremost, as far as protein intake goes, Typically, we'll set clients anywhere from 0.8 to 1.2 grams of protein per pound of body weight. And really, for most individuals, one gram per pound of body weight plus makes sense. Now, the cool thing about protein is it's much less likely to be stored as fat than the other macronutrients. So to illustrate this point, a 2015 study actually took 48 randomized resistance trained men and women and have them either a consume a minimum of 1.36 grams per pound of protein or per pound of body weight of protein daily or b maintain their current dietary habits for approximately eight weeks for exactly eight weeks excuse me while undergoing a standardized resistance training program designed to help increase lean body mass so a direct quote from the study Compared to the control group, the high-protein group consumed significantly more calories, actually 490 more calories, and protein, so 3.3 versus 2.3 grams per kilogram from primarily whey protein shakes, leading to a diet that was 39% protein, 27% fat, and 34% carbohydrate. Now, both groups significantly increased fat-free mass, aka muscle mass, and significantly reduced fat mass compared to the baseline. But the reduction in fat mass was significantly greater in the high protein group compared to the control group. So basically, minus 1.6 kg versus 0.3 kg. Accordingly, body weight gain was also significantly less in the high protein group compared to the control group. So um, to simplify that, basically the high protein group ate 490 more calories than the low protein group and lost more fat. Now, protein also has the highest thermic effect of all the macros, meaning that you will actually burn more calories digesting protein than you do the other macros. So protein, about 20 to 30% of the calories you consume are burned via TEF or the thermic effect of food. Um, Five to 15% of the calories you burn or you consume via carbs are burned through the thermic effect of food and zero to 5% of the calories you consume via fats are burned through the thermic effect of food. So when you eat more protein, you're actually increasing the calories out side of this energy balance equation since you are burning more calories through the thermic effect. And then finally, lean protein is the most satiating food. Basically, protein fills you up more than any other food. So focusing on eating lots of high satiety foods makes getting and staying leaner 
much easier. Now, all of this is exactly why we're setting your protein intake first. It's straight up just too important to ignore. Now, from here, we're going to dive into fat. So, it's smart to set your fat intake somewhere from 0.3 to 0.4 grams per pound of body weight as a minimum. See, fat is essential, so you need a certain amount of fat to maintain proper hormonal function and prevent fatty acid deficiencies. And again, most need a bare minimum of 0.3 grams per pound of body weight for health and optimal hormone production. So consider this the floor that you don't want to take fats below. Now, really, you can take fats as high as you want from here, but realize that there aren't many additional benefits to eating more fat past the 0.3 to 0.4 grams per pound of body weight mark. But additional fat will mean you have less room for carbs in your diet, which do yield more benefits for your training and building the body composition you want. So for most of our online clients, fat intake will fall somewhere from 0.3 grams per pound of body weight to 0.5 grams per pound of body weight due to preference and really what we see within your performance, your recovery, and your biofeedback. So the reality is I can talk about the benefits of carbs all day, but some people straight up just feel better on a slightly higher fat intake. And I would say, again, this is typically more prevalent for women than men. And that's the beauty of individualized coaching. We truly tailor this to what we see in your feedback every week, um, in your metric tracker, in your biofeedback tracker, and how you're actually training and recovering. Now, finally, we have carbs. So basically, now that you have your protein and fat intake determined, we're simply going to fill your remaining macros with carbs. Now, as a listener of this podcast, you likely have a lot in common with the women and men we coach online. Shit, we might coach you already. But just like them, you don't just want to be lean. You also want to build muscle and really be able to perform in the gym. And this is exactly why adequate carb intake is so important. Taking it back to that first pillar, your nutrition should truly fuel you and allow you to perform to your absolute fullest potential. So the reality is the majority of the training that individuals like you and our online clients do is fueled by carbs. So to understand why eating carbs is a problem, you need to gain a or under eating carbs is a problem, excuse me, you need to gain a quick understanding of your energy systems. So basically we have the anaerobic alactic system, which is responsible for the first approximately 15 to 20 seconds, we could say, of intense training. Basically, this is where fuel is coming from, or it's what's turning fuel into energy. Now, your anaerobic alactic system is fueled by creatine phosphate. Once that runs out, then our body or our energy system, our primary energy system used, is going to switch over to the anaerobic lactic system. And then from 20 to approximately 75 seconds, we are primarily going to be fueled by the anaerobic lactic system, which is running on carbs. And then finally, um, once we're getting around 70 to 90 seconds of intense training or intense energy or power output, our body will switch over to the aerobic system as a primary fuel source or primary, again, primary um, energy system. Now, your aerobic system can create fuel from carbs, fats, or protein in a pinch. It's pretty adaptable. But the point of all of this is, if you listen closely, the energy system that creates energy for the majority of intense activity from 15 to approximately 75 seconds, aka the anaerobic lactic system, 
is fueled by carbs. Now, if your goal is to build your leanest, strongest body composition, a good amount of your training will be fueled by this energy system. So basically, if you're following a smart resistance training program, a large part of your training is going to fuel or geared towards helping you build muscle and functional strength. A large part of your training is going to be fueled by the anaerobic lactate system. So a lower carb approach means that this energy system will essentially be quote unquote short on fuel. So your ability to train intensely will suffer. And as a result, you'll continue to struggle achieving the levels of performance and adding the lean muscle needed for the physique you want. Now, this is a common mistake made by both women and men, and it's exactly why most of our clients undergoing the body recomposition process. So again, focusing on fueling or losing fat and building muscle at the same time. We've talked about body recomposition many times on this show. Um, most of those clients are typically going to follow a higher carb approach for this exact reason. All right. So next we need to dive into, or we need to touch on tracking your macros accurately while flexible dieting. So if your body isn't changing now that you have your macro set, we know an adjustment to your intake is needed. But if your macros are all over the place, it's impossible to know how many calories we need to decrease your intake by to resume progress. So if you're consistently several hundred calories off target, we don't have an accurate baseline to adjust from. Now this really applies to undereating calories as well as overeating, which is why it's crucial to be at or near your macro goal daily, because no diet adjustment is going to make up for a lack of compliance. So we typically give online clients macro ranges of plus or minus 100 calories, uh, plus or minus 20 grams of protein, carbs, and plus or minus 10 grams of fat to aim for. So this does allow for some flexibility without being overly rigid. But again, we still have these clear ranges that we need you to fall into to establish a consistent baseline to make any adjustments from. Now, on a similar note, ensuring that you're tracking food and your food log accurately is also very important. So when a nutrition client's progress stalls, the first thing we do is ensure they're tracking accurately. Now, this usually results in weight loss resuming. Now, again, we want you to be well-fueled and eating as many calories as possible moving towards your end result. Slashing calories without good reason doesn't help either of these causes. So we actually have an entire system that we walk clients through to make sure that we've checked all the other boxes possible before we decrease calories. So one, our measurements decreasing. If measurements are decreasing, cool. We know that you're very likely losing fat. Two is scale weight decreasing, pretty self-explanatory. Three, has hunger decreased? Did progress stop abruptly? So we know that um, fat loss stalls via metabolic adaptation happen very slowly. So if all of a sudden fat loss just stopped when like last week on these macros, you lost one pound, two pounds, you saw a good drop in fat loss, we likely know there's some other confounding variable. Either you're eating more than... Um, you're eating more than you expect or you think, and there's some source of air sneaking in your mind, fitness pal diary, or maybe movements decreased. Or on the flip side, if hunger has decreased drastically. So again, we see, um, hey, movement looks like it's on point. From your metric tracker that all our clients fill out, um, it looks like your macros are on point. But then we see like last week, hunger was at a three to four, and to this week it's at a one every day. And also we're not seeing you lose any weight. Now we, from looking through food diary, we see like 
food composition hasn't changed so drastically that you should just be way more full on the same amount of calories. So this likely indicates to us that there's some source of measurement error within your food diary. And really for us, that's just a compass to as coaches to point us to like, okay, we know this is something now we need to sit through your food diary and check for. Next, are you consistently hitting your macros? Again, as I mentioned, no macro adjustment is going to make up for a lack of compliance. Are you measuring your food accurately? Because if it does appear that you're hitting, um, and it, these really tie into my point number three, if you're plugging all your food in and it looks good in your log, but that's actually not an accurate reflection of what you're eating, then it doesn't really matter. It's your body counts it as it really is, not as what you plug it into my fitness pal. As um, are you hitting a daily movement goal? Because again, daily movement, aka a step goal for most of our clients, is a big part of this equation. It's not just control calories in. Calories in, calories out is how we create fat loss, fat maintenance, or fat gain. And we need to ensure that calories in are less than calories out to lose fat. So if the calories outside of the energy balance equation is decreasing without you realizing it, again, you're not hitting any type of step or daily movement goal, this can solve fat loss, which is exactly why we set a step goal for most of our clients. Next, has it been at least two weeks since your last macro adjustment? Now, again, this is very context dependent. There is a lot of times I will get more aggressive um, making adjustments for clients. We It very much depends on the client's personality type, um, their specific goals, timeframes, etc. But for a client who doesn't have a tight timeframe and it does appear all the above are on point, straight up it just takes time for a calorie deficit to, to compound into noticeable changes. So if it's only been a couple days, hey, we're just going to give it a little bit longer. Next, has or have you taken a diet break in the last 12 weeks? So here, the reality is from both a physiological and psychological perspective, diet breaks are helpful. They're something we use with shit, probably all of our clients. Um, I can't think of any clients that I haven't had to take a diet break in a longer fat loss phase. But... Um, a diet break, uh, most importantly, from a, a psychological perspective, oftentimes pushing a diet too long causes people to adhere less and less. And I've really found that the threshold for most people, once we hit around 12 weeks, adherence just really slips to the point where it almost gets to be counterproductive to continue to try to push someone to diet because they're still accumulating diet fatigue because they still feel like they're dieting every week. But again, adherence just isn't typically great past this point because people are somewhat burnt out on dieting. So thus people like still spend all week feeling like they're dieting, but adherence isn't quite good enough to actually continue to see progress forward. So people spend their wheels for a long time there, which is exactly why we typically recommend a diet break every eight to 12 weeks for our clients. Now, if you can, can't find an issue in any of these points, then we make an adjustment. All right, so I know that was a lot, but hopefully that was helpful. Again, the idea here is we don't just want to slash calories. We kind of, that's typically the last resort. And almost always we can identify some issue here before decreasing calories. Now past that point, tracking accurately is also super important. Um, and I know it's a pain in the ass, but not as much as quote unquote, mostly tracking for years and never getting the results you want. So a few of the most common tracking mistakes that we see 
One, untracked cooking oils. So even if you don't apply it directly to your food, but rather line the plant, the pan that you're cooking in with olive oil, for example, some of it still gets absorbed. And this can add up to hundreds of untracked calories across a single day. Dressings, toppings, and condiments. So the two biggest culprits here are salad dressings and condiments like barbecue sauce, because really both are sneaky high in calories and all too easy to forget to track. And then finally, estimating instead of measuring, because the reality is we're typically pretty terrible at estimating our food intake accurately. So some smart guidelines to follow just to make sure that you're tracking accurately. One, don't track using metrics like small, medium, or large. So for example, one medium banana, one large avocado, a half a bowl of rice, one steak. This leaves a lot of room for error. As much as possible tracking grams or ounces. Um, weight measurements, <laughs> to the same point, Weight measurements in grams are by far the most accurate. So ideally weigh as much as possible with a food scale, measure the rest with cups, tablespoons, and teaspoons. Now here again, this is about context. It's pretty damn hard to overeat like, oh shit, I accidentally overate 500 calories of spinach. I didn't even realize it, right? So we don't have to get too carried away with this. Similarly, even with like fruit, I would argue, a lot of times like, it's okay maybe i missed that by i'm off by 10 calories now again like this is all about the context of where you're at like the faster the results you want the more it makes sense to track everything and weigh as much as possible because again like that's going to be as the most conducive thing to quicker results but as a general rule of thumb like more fat dense foods or the more calorie dense a food is as a whole the smarter it is to make sure that we weigh it um, when we're getting to like things like most veggies, for example, that are very low calorie, again, I think like two cups of spinach is five calories. It's probably okay if we guesstimate that. And then finally, weigh your meats raw, but thawed and track them as such. All right, so next, we need to dive into the best food choices for flexible dieting. Now, as you're likely already pretty clear on, your nutrition needs to both fuel your body optimally and allow you dietary flexibility to enjoy your life outside of just your body composition pursuits. Now, admittedly, this is a tall order, but 100% doable if you're willing to embrace the philosophies we teach our online clients. It's part of what we do so much differently around here that not only allows you to reach your goal physique for the first time ever, but actually keep your results for a lifetime. So in a nutshell, we could describe our philosophy on food selection as 80 to 90% whole foods, 10 to 20% if it fits your macros. Now let's dive into each component of this and why this specific balance is so key to your results. So starting with 80 to 90% whole foods, the reality of the society we live in is it's way too easy to overeat. And there's a reason you don't see thousands of people walking around with lean, strong bodies every day. Most of the highly processed food around us is designed to be hyper palatable meaning it's literally engineered by a team of scientists in a lab to make us crave more. Now, pair this with the fact that most highly processed foods are also very calorie dense and low on nutrients, and you have a combination that makes staying lean quite a challenge, as you've likely experienced. And this is why it's smart to follow a whole foods approach with 80 to 90% of your nutrition. In the simplest terms, 80 to 90% of your food should have either A, grown from the earth, or B, had a face at one point. Basically, you're eating mostly foods that a caveman would have eaten in the Paleolithic era, with a few exceptions like white rice, oats, dairy, etc. 
and straight up, I don't know if cavemen were out there like milking cows and I don't, <laughs> I don't know if they figured that out yet or not. But regardless, this is why we say paleo-ish. These paleo-ish foods are packed with nutrients that will make your body feel amazing and aid your training performance and recovery. Specific to fat loss, they'll also keep you full much longer than their highly processed counterparts. The more processed a food is, the quicker it digests and the less long it keeps you full. So really, people make getting the same lean a lot harder than needed by eating foods that digest extremely quickly and leave you hungry again in 30 minutes. One of the most underrated fat loss hacks is simply learning how to build your meals around lean protein and high volume foods. With our online clients, we call this teaching you how to auto-regulate your appetite. And it's a major emphasis of our first few weeks working together. So really, we have what we call the six keys to putting your appetite on auto-regulate with smart food selection. Key number one is auto-regulating your appetite makes getting insane much leaner. So it essentially comes down to prioritizing the two most satiating foods. And key number one is, if you didn't catch it, prioritizing the two most satiating foods. One, lean proteins, and two, fiber-dense carbs. Now, these are the cornerstones to build your meal around to achieve maximum fullness while keeping calories relatively low. No matter the situation, these are always your two key components you're chasing. So when cooking for yourself or choosing your own food, it basically comes down to ensuring you have a lean protein source and fruit or veggie. From here, you'll add more carb-dense or more fat-dense foods depending on your macro needs, but this ensures you get a solid amount of fullness from every meal and makes it much less likely you'll overeat. On the flip side, when you're not the one cooking, simply identifying the most protein-dense and fiber-dense food available and just eat a lot of that while keeping the portion size of the foods you know aren't protein-dense smaller. So for example, if you're having brisket, maybe you have one bun, but you get enough meat for two to three sandwiches. And if there's a fruit or veggie available, like maybe there's a salad available with like minimal dressing. Okay, cool. I'm going to stack that on. Or maybe there's a lot of fruit available. Cool. I'm going to pile my plate with that. And then the other sides, I can throw them on there too. There's like some potato salad. Cool. I'm going to throw that on there too. But I'm going to focus on my protein, my veggies, my fruit first. And that will, without me really having to try super hard to quote unquote resist, that'll just keep my portions of the more calorie dense foods more limited. Key number two don't drink your calories. So liquids will digest much quicker, meaning you're hungry again sooner. So if you're using milk as a protein source while dieting, it's smart to swap it for cottage cheese or Greek yogurt. Use mostly whole food protein sources instead of protein powder. Now, absolutely nothing wrong with protein powder, and it does make hitting your protein goal much easier, but it also digests quickly and doesn't do near as much to keep you full. 50 grams of whole food protein, so for example, eight ounces of chicken, is going to be much more filling than two scoops of protein powder. Key number three is eating protein at every meal. You know that protein is the most satiating food, so it makes sense to make it a priority to help control calories. Now, it's been shown that the quote-unquote satiating dose, aka the number of grams you need to get to maximize the filling effects of protein, is approximately 20 grams. So be sure to tick this box of 20 grams protein with your meals and snacks to help keep hunger low. To the same point, it's much smarter to spread your protein out relatively evenly across the day rather than front loading or back loading it. This really ensures you get that satiating dose with each meal instead of just a few. Next, try to avoid foods that are high in multiple macronutrients. 
So for example, you could eat six ounces of ribeye for 493 calories or eight ounces of sirloin, one large avocado for the same amount of calories, but you'd even get more protein out of that. So generally avoiding foods high in multiple macronutrients will make eating a lot of food volume on your diet much easier. Now again, this is all about, and really it's all about the context of where you're at. So absolutely, like on a date night, I wanna work at a ribeye. Okay, cool. Let's plan ahead. Here's how we make that work. But going about your day to day, that 80 to 90% of your food selection, trying to avoid foods that are high in multiple macronutrients is a good rule of thumb. Next, key five, find lower calorie versions of olive oils, dressings, and condiments. So I'd largely recommend swapping olive oil for a calorie free cooking spray. So often we can even find like um, uh, olive oil like pan spray, right? And for things like sweet potatoes, where people would typically drizzle on olive oil and throw them in the oven, hey, you can just spray that quick with the spray. Now it does have some calories. I think it's like zero calories for an eighth of a second or less. And then that's when like past that is when the caloric value starts to add up. But the reality is regardless, it's likely maybe 10 to 20 calories that you're getting there as long as you don't absolutely douse it rather than like the 120 to 240 calories we would have from actually pouring olive oil on. Next, find lower calorie barbecue sauces or use steak sauce. So there are, steak sauce is a good option as far as barbecue sauce goes, like as a swap, because it's typically a lot lower calorie. Or we can find some quality, um, they're usually sugar-free barbecue sauces. But again, this is just another thing where, similar to the olive oil swap, it doesn't taste very much different, if at all. It doesn't take away from your enjoyment, but it saves you hundreds of calories. Um, and then swap higher calorie salad dressings for lower fat or fat-free options. And again, there's a lot of good like fat-free vinaigrettes, for example. Anytime I'm cutting, a staple of my diet is a big-ass salad with a fat-free vinaigrette on it. It's hella good, but this salad dressing only has 10 calories per two tablespoons, whereas most salad dressings are approximately 120 to 150 calories per two tablespoons. Again, the idea here is just a few easy swaps that you won't even notice can give you hundreds of extra calories to work with in a day. And key number six is some type of meal prep for your weekdays. Now, being prepped ahead nearly guarantees you'll never not have the right food available or run out of time to eat in accordance with the smart nutrition principles. So all of our online clients that get the best fat loss results typically have some type of plan ahead, whether it is their meal prepping, their significant other is meal prepping, or they're working with a meal prep service. I can't emphasize enough what a difference maker this is. Now, for more on how specifically to meal prep, because that could be a whole podcast in itself, and honestly, that would be a boring ass podcast, so I don't want to record that. <laughs> I am just going to link up the meal prep guide in the show notes. Uh, we have a complete blog that takes you through that. But remember, eating like this 80 to 90% of the time is great for your physique and health, but it doesn't have to be 100% of the time. So now let's dive into the other 10 to 20% of your overall calories and your overall eating patterns, which is this if it fits your macros approach. Now, as long as you're eating mostly whole foods, you won't have a problem with insane cravings or constant overeating. Your fat loss will come easier because you're full more often and you'll crush your training in the gym. So this means you can use an if it fits your macros or IIFYM approach to the other 10 to 20% of your diet without hurting your results or your health. 
Now, 10 to 20% IIFYM means that you can use these calories and macros to eat and drink whatever you want. Wine, pizza, chips, queso, really whatever. As long as you still make these foods work in your calorie and macro goals, your results and health won't be affected. So as you know, getting and staying lean doesn't come down to eating clean foods, but rather to calories in, calories out. If calories in are greater than calories out, you'll gain weight. If calories in are equal to calories out, you'll maintain weight. And if calories in are less than calories out, you will lose weight. Now, am I saying that calories are the only thing that matter? Not at all. But, and it really is much more complex than this because so many elements of your calories in, for example, like we talked about the thermic effect of food earlier, that causes your body to burn more calories during digestion. So even like calories in from protein are slightly different than calories in from fats. But the point is calories are the overruling principle that we can't ignore. And we can often manipulate this understanding in our favor. So as long as you're smart with your food choices 80 to 90% of the time, you can work less nutritious foods into your macros 10 to 20% of the time without hurting your health or your results. So this approach means it's okay to go on a date night with your significant other and not feel like you wrecked your progress for the week. It's okay to have some drinks and be social on the weekends. There aren't any foods that you have to give up as long as you make them work within the flexible dieting framework. Now, next we need to dive into, lastly, we need to dive into flexible dieting lifestyle tools. Really, these are the keys to actually adhering to this plan long-term. Now, before we dive into this section, I need to preclude this by saying, it's important to remember you're getting flexible 10 to 20% of the time, not 60 to 80% of the time. If you're hitting your macros entirely from Pop-Tarts and protein shakes, you won't feel or perform the way you want to. But again, there are a lot of flexible dieting tools you can use to make sustaining your results much easier. And really we focus heavily on educating clients how to use these tools. And it's a massive part of why our online clients get such great sustainable results. Now also realize that you don't have to use any of these tools, but they're pretty handy when you're ready to get more flexible, so to speak. So first of all, we have flex days. So one to two days per week, I like to give nutrition clients the option of taking flex days. These give you more freedom to eat or drink what you want. Now the concept of a flex day is simple. You're going to make sure your daily calorie goal and protein goal are on point because we need these two factors in check to create fat loss. But from here and overall like body composition changes, these are the most important factors. But from here, you're free to let carbs and fats fall where they may within your overall calorie total. Next, we have intermittent fasting. Now, intermittent fasting isn't fat loss magic. It is, however, a great great way to save up some calories to spend later in the day. So on days you know you would be going out or eating a higher calorie meal later in the day, offset this a bit by fasting until noon to 2 p.m.-ish. Black coffee and other zero calorie drinks are perfectly fine, but outside of that, avoid calories. A lot of my online nutrition clients will always fast on Saturdays just to allow for more flexibility in the evenings. Next, we have the pre-drinking meal. So years ago, I was frustrated trying to figure out why I personally couldn't seem to balance fat loss and drinking alcohol. Then I had a mind-blowing epiphany which was drinking itself doesn't really affect your fat loss that much. Even if a large a large chunk of your calories are alcohol, as long as you're in a calorie deficit, 
you'll still lose fat. Now, obviously, alcohol is void of nutrients you need for satiety, muscle growth, etc. So I'm not suggesting that you make it the majority of your calories. But the point is, it's not alcohol itself that kills your fat loss. It's drunk eating thousands of calories after the fact that truly kills your progress. I realized this problem was being exasperated by me drinking on an empty, an empty and hungry stomach in an attempt to save up calories for more booze later. So while this was a good idea in theory, if you start drinking on an empty stomach, so again, you've saved up calories all day, so you can have a couple more drinks, you'll be absolutely famished by the end of the night. Not to mention willpower also drops as you drink. Now, this combination almost inevitably leads to drunk eating. So the strategy I came up to prevent this was drink on a full stomach with the pre-drinking meal. So you know that lean protein is the macro that keeps you full longest and fibrous carbs are the second. So the pre-drinking meal is simply a combination of these two elements. So basically 25 grams plus of lean protein and 25 grams plus of fiber dense carbs while keeping fats low to save on calories. So personally, I usually go with lean ground beef made into sloppy joe meat and I put that on a sweet potato. But I know many of my clients like a big spinach and chicken salad. And this could even be as simple as, hey, I'm going to have a protein shake and two apples. But this will help keep you full through most of the night. So basically from here, as close as possible to going out, we're going to eat the pre-drinking meal. I always tell clients, even if eating this meal before going out pushes you over your calories for the day, it's still smart to implement it. Think of it as damage control. Because again, even if we're like 100 calories over, 200 calories over because of the pre-drinking meal, it's a lot more likely that you actually saved calories as opposed to if you would have gone into that just starving and then like drunk eating a pizza. Now from there, we have macro splits. So your nutrition strategy has to fit your lifestyle in order to achieve sustainable results. One of the most common struggles with new online clients or that new online clients complain of is I feel like I can't enjoy a day out with my significant other or a few glasses of wine on a Friday night without going far over my calorie goal. So for clients with struggles like this, customizing your macro split is key to helping you adhere in the long term. See, if we know our clients will be very compliant to the macro goals we give them during the week, but are likely to splurge during the weekends, why not give them macros that increase on the weekends and are lower during the week? So a few different options here. One, we have uh, like the most common macro splits we use with online clients to help adherence. And there are body composition impacts here as well, but within this podcast, we're talking specific to adherence. So basically, First and foremost, or not foremost, but first we have the 11-3 macro split. On the 11-3 macro split, you're in a calorie deficit for 11 days. This is enough time to create a solid amount of fat loss. Now this is followed by three days where you return your calories to maintenance levels with the calorie increase ideally coming from carbs. Now from the super important doing some shit you can actually adhere to perspective, this gives you more calories to get more flexible with every other weekend. Now, personally, I don't like this approach for clients in a shorter fat loss phase. So for example, a client that needs less than 12 weeks to finish their diet. Following an 11-3 split, this client will spend approximately 18 days, well, not approximately, exactly 18 days over 12 weeks at maintenance, not losing fat, which will actually likely add an extra two to three weeks 
to their total time in a, in a deficit. So in situations like this, where we can achieve your desired fat loss outcome without being overly aggressive, which generally means losing greater than 1% of body weight per week, then the best thing you can do is just get your diet done with and get you back out of a deficit long-term instead of dragging things out. But again, for longer fat loss phases, AKA longer than three months, this is a smart approach. Option two is the 5-2 macro split. Now this is my most popular macro split with online clients. It's very similar to the, to the 11-3 split, but on a weekly basis. So five days you're in a deficit, followed by two days at maintenance. And again here, we're generally increasing calories via carbs. This split crushes it when it comes to adherence because it works great for online clients that like to enjoy their weekends a bit more, as you'll have increased calories every weekend. So. For my online clients that need the flexible lifestyle to make their diet sustainable, this is my favorite prescription. Next, we have the 6-1 macro split. Now, this is a great option for online clients in shorter fat loss phases, so less than 12 weeks, where our goal is to get the fat off of you ASAP while maintaining or even building lean muscle. Now, similar to, similar to the above, you're spending six days in a deficit, followed by one day at maintenance, again with the increase coming from carbs. Now, this gives you a chance to refill your muscle glycogen stores, which will lead to better training performance and help you maintain or even build muscle. So it's also smart to put this immediately before or on your hardest training day of the week. Plus, the reality of shorter diets is you're often in a larger deficit to get the job done on time. So one day per week to get a bit more flexible with your food choices helps a ton when it comes to sticking the diet out. Option number four is high low days. So I most commonly use this approach for online clients in a short, aggressive fat loss phase. Um, this is an approach that I used to use in many cuts more often than I do now. But here, essentially, the goal is quick weight loss, again, while still maintaining all of your lean muscle. So your low calorie days are paired with off days um, from training because energy will be much lower on these days. And then we have higher calorie days paired with training days because you'll have more energy, meaning you'll be able to push your training harder and be eating more calories when your body needs it most to maintain muscle, aka post-workout. So... Typically, this equates to three to four high calorie days on training days and three to four lower calorie days on off days. And finally, option five, we have protein sparing modified fast days. Now, this is a strategy that I learned about years ago from Lyle McDonald and have really seen good success implementing with a few more advanced clients. Now, typically, when I make macro adjustments for you, it'll be a reduction of 5 to 10% of your weekly total calories. So roughly 500 to 1,000 calories for most clients. Now, obviously, these calorie reductions have to come from somewhere. So we can either drop 100 to 200 calories from every day of the week, which really bums most people out, or we can knock out that entire deficit in one day and leave food intake the same the rest of the week. So the goal is to keep calories as low as possible here while still hitting your protein goal on the protein sparing modified fast day. So basically you just focus on eating lean proteins and a lot of veggies. So your day could look something like, and some fruits as well. So your day could look something like, we're gonna fast until noon, eating or drinking black coffee only, Meal number one is going to be a chicken breast with lots of veggies. As a snack, you're going to eat tuna mixed with non-fat cottage cheese. Um, and again, this is 100% just a general example, not a specific recommendation. But 
Again, as a snack, we could eat uh, tuna mixed with non-fat cottage cheese. Meal number two could be like a super lean ground beef or turkey. Um, and we're going to mix that with salsa and veggies and kind of make a little fajita-esque bowl. And then our final snack for the day could be like a non-fat plain Greek yogurt mixed with whey protein and some berries. Now, nothing magic about this approach, really any of these approaches. They're just different methods we can use to make, first and foremost, make the diet more sustainable for you. And they do, many of them do yield some physiological benefits as well. But the most important piece of all of this is they're tools we can use to help you ensure that you can actually stick to the diet. Now, from there, a couple other flexible dieting tools that we can use. One is shifting calories. So if you've ever eaten too many calories on a Saturday and thought, well, my diet's screwed. Um, you're probably not alone in that. And this often leads to that fuck it mindset. Like, what's the point? I already went over on Saturday. Um, but in reality, in a fat loss setting specifically, what you do with your calories on a daily basis makes very little difference as long as what you do on a weekly basis is on point. A single day of overeating is easily correctable. As long as your weekly deficit is the same and you're hitting your protein goal daily, you should achieve very similar fat loss results. And again, this is specific to fat loss, but if we eat 1500 calories every day for a week, actually let's use the example of uh, 2000 calories every day for a week, so I don't have to do so much math. And we, at the end of the week, end up eating 14,000 calories or we eat 2,000 calories five days per week. One day a week, we eat 1,000 calories. The next day of the week, we eat 3,000 calories. And again, end up at 14,000 calories. Either way, we'll get very, very similar results as far as fat loss goes because the weekly deficit is the same. So again, a single day of overeating is pretty easily correctable. And we like to call this shifting calories. Basically, you can save up calories ahead of time or eat less in the following days to keep your weekly calories on point. Now, really, we found this approach to be very helpful for online clients because it gives them a lot more flexibility within their nutrition protocols. And understanding this concept allows you to really be free from that fucking mindset that we can all too easily fall into. And then finally, macro planning or planning ahead is one of my most highly recommended flexible dieting tools. Because really, it's the key to always staying on track with your nutrition. And this is why we encourage all of our online clients to plan their days out in my fitness pal the night before, weekday or weekend. When you go into the day with a general idea of how you need to eat to enjoy your life and hit your goals, you'll be much more likely to succeed. So really, don't try to wing it with your macros as the day goes. Plan your day out ahead of time. Um... And really the crux of this whole flexible dieting, it's not just, hey, we wing it and it works because we're flexible dieters. It's very much planned flexibility. Similar to what I talked about at the start of this podcast with this idea of tracking macros. Well, some could look at it as like, hey, I'm planning ahead, I'm creating a structure and this is so restrictive. Really, we're looking at it as this is five to 10 minutes a day we're taking a plan to have truly have the best of both worlds. I have a body that performs amazing I feel and look amazing, but also I'm social, I'm flexible, and I feel like I can handle any nutritional scenario. So truly, I can't emphasize that point enough. (laughs) Structure and plan flexibility is the crux of what makes all of this work. But that is 
the ultimate guide to flexible dieting. Hopefully this was helpful. That is all I have for you guys for today. As always, thank you for tuning in.